feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. you ashamed? No, I'm not. Who the hell do you think you are, lady? You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I'm awake. Are you? Let's go now to our new episode of The Unfiltered Rise with me, Heidi Love. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Unfiltered Rise with me, Heidi Love. And today we have a special guest with us. This is Michael Vanderplas. He is a award-winning author, international author of Stay Strong. Mike, you also have been a friend of mine for years, which I appreciate. And I would love that you're here tonight, that you're gracing me with your presence once again. Tell me all about your book. So um, interesting. Like it's, it's, it's funny you said that we were friends. A lot of the premise of the book came about at the first place that we worked together. So uh, for those of you that do know or don't know, Mm -hmm. we worked at a psych specific hospital in Salt Lake city, Utah. We won't name it, but it was, uh, it It was war. It was war. (laughs) It was war Uh, in, in many different ways with uh, management, with uh, I got punched a few times by by patients, you know, um, we dealt a lot with adolescents. I know that I worked on the adolescent floor a lot. You worked on the adolescent floor a lot. And we had two different groups. We had one group that was uh, residential um, treatment center, which is they were living there. And those were people who were basically criminals, um, adolescents who were on their last their last leg of, of getting a chance before they went to adult prison. Uh, they'd been in juvenile prison. And so we had a lot of them and some of them, those kids were had suicidal ideations. And then on the acute side, there was kids who would come in for a few days or a few weeks, maybe up to a month or two. And almost every single one of those kids had suicidal ideations. And So we'd always do these interviews with the kids when they're coming in, utilizing a a thing. This is something Heidi already knows. This is more for all you people out there. (laughs) Uh, The Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale. And it's something that's utilized in a lot of psychiatric hospitals to gauge the level of somebody's possibility of committing suicide. Are they low, medium, or high risk? And so we do this, but I realized that a lot of the wording was incorrect on some of the questions. And so I changed some of the wording around and because I'm highly, highly trained in communication skills. In fact, I do some communications trainings for uh, some military people as well. And I changed some of the wording around and it would give me different answers from these adolescents. And 
I started getting some different ideas as to what the root cause was unconsciously of why all these people wanted to commit suicide. And it was coming back to one huge reason. And so I would talk that over with all the kids instead of doing like the 15 or 30 minute intake, I was taking an hour to an hour and a half with these kids uh -huh. and explaining to them, this is how your brain, <laughs> this is why your brain is thinking these thoughts. And it got to the point where like Kathleen, Kathleen used to just, I'd be working on the RTC side and she'd be working on the acute side and she'd be like, Hey Mike, we got an admit. Can you take this kid? Cause you really explain very well these concepts to the kids. Do you mind doing that? Sure. Right. And so I started doing that and some other people sometimes, I'm not sure if you did or not, but I know some of the other people Misty used to sometimes they, they'd be like, Hey, can you do this admin with the kid? Because I would explain this stuff and it would help the kids through their processing during the hospital stay. And so I had that idea and then this was 2019 and then 2020 started and we had this oh, yeah. big thing that happened in healthcare <laughs> worldwide that everybody yes. knows about that the, we're I like to call to it not talk about. I like to weird. call it the thing from 2020 that will never go away. <laughs> and, and, which is weird because we're supposed to speak about it, but we're not supposed to speak about yes. it. It's really yeah. weird. And so we have to code word it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to code word it, which is crazy. That's so insane. I know. And so, <laughs> uh, that came up and all of my ICU friends, cause most of my yeah. career was ICU started. I'd be talking to them about, Hey, are you guys doing this for your patients? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? And throwing out ideas. And they're like, Oh, those are good ideas. Where are you? Where are you working at? And I told him a psych hospital and all these <laughs> They're friends like, were like, get your butt back here, brother. Th that's basically yeah. it. I, I had, I had some people who would say straight up to me, they say, what a waste of talent oh. that I was working psych. And I remember that like got me. And so it pulled me out. I did travel yeah. nursing for two years during the COVID pandemic. <laughs> yes. Uh, went throughout the U S I was one of those nurses who was bouncing from state to state every three, four, six months. Nine just saving lives, saving, saving lives. lives and stamping out disease mofos. Yes. Getting it yes. done. That's actually how me and Mike became yeah. friends. Cause we had somebody that was not even a patient have a real uh, heart issue. And I turned around yeah. and I said, Hey, you, are you a real nurse? And he's like, <laughs> what do you mean? And I'm like, do you have any experience? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm ICU baby. I'm like, well, I'm ER and we're about to go <laughs> triage this patient. Come on. I remember that. Like, I remember that. Yeah. And you're like, you have nitro in your purse. What the hell? <laughs> I was like, all right, let's go. Let's He's go. Like, let's she's save, she's let's my new life. best friend. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I know she can save me if I need it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so nice to know that, especially nowadays. Uh, Ooh, yeah. There's, no there's kidding. Uh, healthcare is scary nowadays. <laughs> oh, uh, lack I of agree. knowledge. But anyways, so. Too many yes ma'ams and yes mans. Yeah. Yeah. And it, which. Sometimes the answer is, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Sometimes yep. the answer in, in healthcare should be, are we doing the right thing? Yep. It shouldn't be, this is what the textbook says. It should be thinking about what's truly going on with the patient. And Am what's ethical. And, and is this ethical? ethical? Mm -hmm. Because that one, that one gets me because that happened to my little brother. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you know that, but when he was found, I mean, yeah, he was 37. So he mm-hmm. was young, but he was also found unknown downtime. And he was like, no pulse, no nothing. He was 300 pounds. They had to get him downstairs. Mm. I mean, they were doing all this stuff. And of course, you know how they don't carry real Mazacon, which is a pet peeve for me on the EMS. Yeah. So I don't get it. They, I don't they get carry it. Narcan, but not Ramazicon. Yep. So, so, so for, for, for you yep. people out there, Narcan, you, you've probably seen the, the, this is just for the people out there. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so Narcan helps with opioids and, and narcotics. Ramazicon helps with benzodiazepines. So it's, if it's like, if you got too much oxycodone and didn't have Narcan, the same thing, if you took too much lorazepam, uh, phenobarbital, something like that. Xanax, that's the biggest one that I'm seeing on the street. If you OD'd on that and didn't have Mm -hmm. a shot you could give somebody. And so Ramazicon, it's mind-blowing that they don't have Ramazicon. It's it's, mind-blowing to me how many new nurses don't know the word Ramazicon. And and then they did this and then they got him, you know, I mean, however long it took to get the three. My brother was as big as you, tall-wise, okay? And he was 300 pounds. And he's on the floor- And so he's trying to get out of a house. Well, I'm saying tall wise. I don't know how tall you are, but he's as tall as you, but 300 pounds. So, yeah, so, so that's bigger mm-hmm. than me. Yep. Wise too. Wait, yeah. Even. And so I don't, I mean, this is a big person. You're not going to just take him out the door. You know, this takes mm-hmm. a process. He had stairs, everything, and you mm-hmm. know, the area. So he went from Riverdale clear up to McKady hospital with no pulse, no heartbeat in a systole hour and- drive. Yeah. And so by the time they get him up there, then they finally, they, when I get there, they're like, oh, we got his heartbeat back, but he was in torsades, but we shocked him. And I'm like, why? I just looked at, I just looked at him and he's like, well, he has a heartbeat now. And I'm like, well, even if he does, you just gave him a death sentence. That's an unshockable rhythm. You know, you you can shock torsades technically because it's, it's a tall wide rhythm, but what you need is you need, you need magnesium. Yep. So yep. anyways, we're getting into nerd talk. That so anyway, understand. nerd talk, nerd talk is way too much time had passed. Everybody mm-hmm. knew there's an anoxic brain injury at this point. You yes. He's to. yeah. Yes. He's young. We don't know how long he was down. And then the torture to my mother to have to pull a plug Make that didn't decision. need to be plugged. It, it wasn't ever supposed to be on. It should have been called at the scene. And that's ridiculous. You should mm-hmm. stay and pump, do that, do the jump. And then that's all and call it good. And they don't do that anymore. And, and, and that's the thing, like getting back to, and that's a good example of what you're saying, the ethics in healthcare. So this, this is cool. I love that um, our conversations turn yes, organic. We're always like candid. We, we yes. start out <laughs> and then it, we don't need to stay on the track of the book or get back to that. We can, we'll take this. It organic. will intertwine. It will intertwine. And if yeah. we don't come back to it, that's fine. There's other podcasts where people ask me about the books. This is fun because we get to examine other ideas. So, so let's talk about ethics some in healthcare. Um, I, I, I have a saying, if you've been a nurse for 10 years and you haven't been fired, <laughs> then I don't know if I can trust you right? Yep. as, as, as a fellow nurse, yep. because that usually says to me, you probably haven't stood up to something That's stupid, true. unethical, harmful to an, a fellow patient or fellow nurse mm-hmm. to somebody who 
has a low enough ego to where they have to be right. Yes. Instead of be, do the right thing. Yes. I, I know so many fantastic nurses. Some of my favorite nurses have been fired and it's because yeah. they stood up. I'm, I'm going to say this, like, I'm going to throw out a name right now. I'll throw <laughs> out the first name. Um, love this dude. He's a nurse prac now. Uh, Kevin worked with this guy, Salt Lake regional for years. And we both got in trouble, but I just remember this guy just being really cool one day. And we we've both done this, but for some reason it made more of an impact seeing him do it than when I did it. And maybe, maybe I saw him do it first. And so it was a lesson. There was some things under our ability to provide <laughs> care at our hospital. We were a level two trauma center, not a level mm -hmm. one. There's only two adult level one trauma centers in, U in Utah, University of Utah and IMC. And we just weren't able to provide a patient the total care that they needed. Mm -hmm. And I remember we're in the room. I'm kind of talking with him and his and his patient's family members. And I'm just in his room with his his patient and his patient's family members. And he said to him, he's like, hey, I'm going to go down to the cafeteria. Are you going to the cafeteria now? And they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think we're going to do something. He's like, I think you should go to the cafeteria now. The and they're like what he's like go to the cafeteria now. <laughs> there's something so there for you <laughs> there's something there for you you know yeah. so they go to the cafeteria he shows up five minutes later and he has the conversation with them hey I, and this and and i'm not saying necessarily just that hospital but i'm saying this happens at multiple hospitals right is this idea of i have to candidly talk with patients with family members behind administration behind the doctor's mm -hmm. backs to get the best thing done for the patient yes yep there 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 is a vigilance I, I don't want people to listen to this and think healthcare is hell there's good nurses there's good yes. people out there there's great doctors there's right. some great administrators uh but there's such a corporate entity Mm -hmm. that encompasses the the US right now the US healthcare system to where the CEO of a hospital has zero choice yeah because corporate back east or corporate in Kentucky or whatever state you know everyone is owned everyone everyone is, is owned. owned and so 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 you need to be informed i if I was somebody out there listening to this podcast, I would say, find a nurse that you trust and ask them. Yes. Yep. Because uh, what so, they can do isn't always what they should do. Yeah. And anymore. So, yeah. So like with, with, with Kevin, I remember he's down there and he said, he just told the, the family members, he goes, Hey, so uh, your family member cannot receive the care that they need at this facility because we do not have the doctor. We do not have the treatment available. We do not have the technology at this facility. We can help to this level. They need this level. Mm -hmm. We can help almost everything, but we need this, this but, patient needs this. But it's honest, but it's honest. And he was yeah. honest. Yeah. And he's like, what you need to say is this, 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 this to get your family mm -hmm. member transferred. I did the yeah. same thing. I, I'm going to keep names uh, 
I'm going to keep names under wrap, but I was working at a ICU. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was earlier on in my career. This was like my second or third year on in, in, in my career at one of the best ICUs in the country. We'll say that. Right. And, and so it was, it, this wasn't some low key thing. This <laughs> was a trauma one center and this was very good. And we had a doctor and it was heart transplant doctor, very well known in multiple realms in medical and some other realms. Uh, I'll tell you afterwards, Heidi, who it is, okay. mm. um, but we're not going to talk about it now. I'll get the cheese may in a bit. <laughs> yep. 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 And <clears throat> we would work days and nights right. every two weeks in, in this facility. And my friends who had been working days for two weeks, they'd been telling me, yeah, this patient just wants to go home. He was like late fifties, maybe early sixties. His heart was weak. He, he just had a, right. a weak heart. He needed heart transplant. He needed liver mm -hmm. transplant. He needed kidney transplant. Now, usually if you need two transplants, you're yeah. not getting a transplant yeah. no. because that means two different organs from two different people to save one life. Whereas mm -hmm. they could give a kidney to one patient and a heart to another patient and save two lives. And it's, the rejection, it, the rejection level. The rejection level is huge. Yeah, like it's, the, it's, the, the medications, especially for two different organs. So it's. <laughs> yep. The side effects it, are nearly deadly. Yeah. It's if a he very were to be so, if he were to be so lucky, you know? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's how can we do more good for more people? And that's, yes. that's a very harsh yeah. reality for the lay person to see, yep. but it's how healthcare sees it. Yep. And so this person had three organs that needed transplant which in any condition would have been cut, but for some right. reason they were going off on it. Uh, some of it was due to some of the people. Mm -hmm. So you have the main surgeon and that main surgeon has a team of other doctors, nurse practitioners. Some of the, the team from the nurse practitioners and, uh, and other doctors were from other countries whose culture is one to where every single thing must be done. Mm. to to save a life and some of that is in their laws as well mm -hmm. yep. this patient wanted to go home to be with his family with his kids with his grandkids which and he die absolutely had every right to do and he had every right yes well, one one of the things <laughs> of the nurse that <laughs> that you learn is is that you need to defend the patient's rights you yes. need to stand and you need to advocate for the patient. Mm -hmm. That's one of our big things. We educate, we advocate. And so we need to advocate for the patient. And I knew that this guy had wanted this for, for weeks and they were keeping him there. I knew that he was pissed. I came in on, I think it was a Monday. You're like, oh, your discharge papers are here. <laughs> I came in on a Monday and, and they said, you know, he's your patient. So I walked into his room. I was like, hey, how's it going? Well, good. I said, I understand you want to go home and finish and your pass life. away at home. Mm -hmm. He goes, yeah. It's like, have you thought a lot about this? He's like, yeah, I've thought a lot. I'm getting really pissed off. They're not letting me go. And I was like, okay. Exactly well, how I would be, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you. I go, well, today's, today's your lucky day. You get to, <laughs> yes, you get to go home today. He goes, really? They said that? I was like, no, no, but I'm going to tell <laughs> But I'm going to tell you what you need to say yeah. in order yep. to, to get to this. And I said, yeah. you're, it's going to be a tricky. It's going to take some logistics. 
Yeah. Because uh, we're going to need a home health care company to do some medications they usually don't do. Right. Um, but we can get you home. You're basically going to have to threaten them that you're going to leave AMA. Mm-hmm. But yep. I'll tell you this. If you did leave AMA and we turn off these medications, by the time you get to the front door, you're dead. Because right. you you won't live five minutes after we right. turn off all these meds. Right. And he's like, he's like, so I need to call their bluff. I was like, yeah. Yeah. And that was politically the roughest day of my entire career. I I was getting daggers thrown at me all but day long. Sometimes the, it's worth it because Yeah. Because you know at the end of the day, if this guy went home that he mm-hmm. got to die with dignity. And the thing that people don't discuss because it's so taboo in mm-hmm. our culture, now not in everyone's culture, but in this yeah. culture in America, people are really taboo about death. But death is is not, it is an honor to be a part of or participate or enable someone to die when it is their time, not when it's not yeah. their time. Yeah, not, yeah. we're not, not saying kill. We're not saying no. progress their death. No. Yes. And I'm, we're not talking be, about suicidal ideations or any of this, but yeah. when you're in a death sen- sentence, that's a death sentence. Mm-hmm. What that man had. Same yeah. thing for my grandpa. We had, we were up at the U he had small oat cell carcinoma of the lung, which mm. is, it was already stage four when they found it, it was mm-hmm. everywhere. It was in his brain, liver, all the places. And the only reason why he ended up in the hospital was a couple of tests, but then he had a really high ammonia level, of course, and he had a really high calcium level. And so he just needed fluids and to leave because he Mm -hmm. already said, I'm not going to die here. I'm not going to do any treatment. It's pointless. It's hopeless. Like they told him it was hopeless. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody knew and they were so weird about trying to keep him there because they don't see it very often to try and learn. And I finally threw you ought to seen the fit I threw when I came in, I mean, because my grandparents were there and I was at work and Mm -hmm. they finally, when they did discharge him, they made it as hard as possible. No IV follow-up. No, they didn't, you know, make sure his levels were down before they were just like, if you want to go, then go. And I was like, wow, that was years ago. Yeah. It was years ago, years and years. I'm sure things have changed, but, and I just thought, you know what, this is unfair to him. You know, and all he wanted was to be well enough to go home. That was it. Cause he lived in St. George, you know, and he just wanted to go home and die. And that was all he wanted. You know, so, so three things. Um, and I I might forget two of them. The, the first, the first thing, (laughs) the first thing is this is, uh, just to finish up that story that I was saying. Oh yeah. At the end of the day, the patient got home with the meds. Uh, awesome. the doctor who is very well respected as a doctor and very well respected in, um, a local cultural norm. We'll just right. say that, mm-hmm. um, very well known, mm-hmm. um, was thrown daggers at me. Like, like oh, everybody else was, but I had a, <laughs> yeah. a female deep nurse crap, pra- deep yeah. crap. <laughs> I had a female nurse practitioner who asked for, at the end of my shift, she's like, Hey, can, can I talk to you on the side over here real quick? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, here comes another person throwing it Not at me. mad at me. Yeah. I was like, all right, sure. Let's go. Yeah, so we go in the room and 
she starts crying. Oh. And she goes, I am so ashamed. Wow. She's like, I am so ashamed and I'm so honored. And I was like, what are you talking about? You thought you were going to get it. Yeah. And, and she goes, I should have done what you did two weeks ago, but I was afraid hmm. for my job. Right. Right. And I am sorry that you had to go through this today. Wow. But I want you to know that at least one of us appreciates it. So, so there's that. The awesome. other, the other story that I want to share is during COVID, mm -hmm. uh, I was on contract at a previous ICU that I had worked at. So I had no longer worked at this other ICU and was called in to be a travel nurse at a hospital that I had previously worked at. Right. And they had me in and I had just one patient. They had me on a cardiac unit. Mm -hmm. They had just one patient, which never happens in an ICU, no. especially during COVID. <laughs> Definitely and not. I was like, I was like, oh, this is weird. And this one guy, he was getting tuned up. He had uh, kidney failure. And the plan was they were doing dialysis. Mm -hmm. They were diuresing him, they're, which means they were pulling fluid off of his lungs. Mm -hmm. They were pulling fluid off of his body, fluid off his lungs. And they were going to send him home on, I think, Tuesday. And I think this was a Saturday mm. to go home and die. Right. And so I didn't have another patient that I needed to worry about yet in that shift, like halfway through the shift. Yeah. But I got to sit with that guy. I did all the, the technical stuff, did the assessment, did the meds, did all these things. Right. And then I just had time. Mm. So I just got a chair and I went in and I just sat in on a chair, yeah. which is what as a nurse you want to you do. Want what you want to think, do it. Yeah. It's what you think you're going to do when you're going to nursing school. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to get yeah, to connect I gotta to go these help people. people. Yeah. And then management is like, no, you're going to have to run. You're going to chart. Room. You're going to chart all night. You're going to chart all day long. Yeah. And I got to sit down with this guy and I said, how you doing? He's like, he good. probably was like, like what? He's, he's like, good. I was like, so what's your plan? I just kind of wanted to see see what he he was thinking. You know, if he knew that this was the plan, right? He goes, well, they're they're draining some fluid off of me, and on Tuesday, I'm going to go home, and within probably two or three days, I'll go to my real home. Right. I was like, okay, interesting. I think I know what you're talking about, but just to clarify, what do you mean by your real home? He's like, I'm going to go home to to be with my higher power. Mm -hmm. And I was like, interesting. I said, how do you feel about that? Right. And he's like, I'm okay with it. And I'm actually a little bit excited to see what it's like on the other side. Yeah. And we had this conversation where we talked for half an hour, 45, 60 minutes, something like that. I don't know. Time stood still. Right. We talked. We finished that conversation. I thanked him for the conversation. He thanked me for the conversation. Yep. It, it, it's it's a beautiful thing when you come to the end of your life and you're okay with it. Mm -hmm. The third thing, so that was the second thing. The third thing, which will also be tied into a fourth thing, <laughs> are two poetic type things. So there's this old poem written in the 1800s called The Lays of Ancient Rome. And there's this portion of the poem that I love to quote. And it's about this guy named Horatius. 
I actually got to see the remains of where this bridge oh, truly wow. was in Rome last January, first week of January. <laughs> I was in Rome. Cool. Rome and, is, I've been and I, Rome yeah. is amazing. So I, I, I knew where this bridge was and you see a few of the ruins. Nobody walks by it. Yeah. Nobody knows what it is. But there is this guy named uh, uh, Persina, Lucius Persina, who was trying to invade Rome from the west to come into Rome, but he would have had to come across this bridge and would have had to come across this bridge to be able to invade Rome because it's protected by the, the Tabor River. And they were in the Senate and they were saying, okay, cool. We don't have time to get help forces from another army over here to defend it. What we're going to have to do is we're going to have to destroy the bridge. We're going to have to chop it down. We're going to have to chop, saw, uh, unbind all the ropes, everything to make this bridge fall. And if we have the bridge fallen, then they can't come across the river. We've got a better defense and we can do that. So that's our plan. Good. Yay. We're all right. excited. And they're like, okay, cool. We've got a plan. <laughs> that's our plan. A scout came in. And that scout said, hey, they're upon us. They're they're right here. We don't have time to tear down this bridge. We need some form of delay, but we don't have any delay that we can put up a, a, a strong defense across the bridge. But there is this one guy who was the captain of that gate. He was uh, of the gate to the, to the bridge. And the oh. guy's name was Horatius. And him and two of his partners basically said, we're going to stand at the, the edge of the gate where they would enter, not on the Rome side, but on the other side of the, the, the bridge. And it's going to create just a, a bottleneck right there. And the three of us can fight, 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 and defend it long enough for you guys to destroy the bridge behind mm. us. Right. And that's how we're going to save the bridge and save the country. And so, but in the poem, when it's talking about this, this is how it goes. It says everybody, when the, when the runner came in and, and told them, they all rested their heads and they laid their heads low. And then it said, then out spoke brave Horatius, the captain of the gate, to every man upon this earth, death cometh sooner or late. And how can man die better than facing fearful odds for the honor of his fathers and the ashes of his gods? And so it, it, it's, this, it's this beautiful thing that every single one of us is going to die at some point in time yes. in our lives. <laughs> and the question is, am I going to die a good death? And I think the question of am I going to die a good death is have I lived a good life? In addition to, to that, and then I'll let you talk. <laughs> there's I'm this uh, there's this thing in Greece in in this place called uh, the road to uh, Eleusis. The road to Eleusis. So Eleusis was a teeny bit north and west of Athens, about thirty miles. Okay. And people would go there to see the oracles, and so they they see these oracles. They they drink this thing called the Cuchleon. Uh, which was 
it probably had some hallucinogenic psychotropic <laughs> aspects right. to it. Um, possibly just argot. It, it was, you're saying it was a good time. It was a drug, <laughs> yeah, but, but it I'm was in order, <laughs> it was in order to, to have this connection with God. Yes. Uh, this oh, comes from Brian Morosco's book, the, the immortality key, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is he, what psychedelics were originally Used, for. used, used, and for. it was a sacrament. They were not re- recreational, by in, the way. In pre-Christian and and Christian yes. uh, places, uh, religions, and so I mean, the guy has been on multiple podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Rogan, uh, Jordan Peterson. It's um, sad to me that people yeah. nowadays take this so lightly when they do things, and then they have these horrible experiences. And I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen? You opened your mind unprepared. Yeah, you were some, not ready. You were to not, something that you weren't ready yeah. for. And and when you open your mind to God as above, so below, you better yeah. be ready. You better be prepared. You which be they prepared. were. They were because they knew these things and this was a a, a life-changing trek mm-hmm. for them. But nowadays these people have, oh, I don't know why that happened to me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, probably because you shouldn't have been messing with that in the first place like that. You know, you weren't prepared. Yeah, you were Mar- just Marilyn Manson. Good time, you know? Yeah. Marilyn, Ma- Marilyn Manson time. has this line. He says, the, ab- <laughs> the abusers make the users look bad. Exactly. So it's, it's yes. the people who abuse these things. Yeah. But anyways, the, sorry, at the temple, I had to do my little spout right there. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been, I've been mm-hmm. yapping too long anyways. No, but no. At the, uh, at the temple where they would take this Kukleon and have this religious experience mm-hmm. to where they would meet God do is they had this thing where they would, um, they, they had this line, these four lines on the wall and the four lines said this, and this is the point that I was getting to. It said, if you die before you die, you won't die when you die. Mm. And, and I think that's a very interesting thing because if you, if you come to the realization of the concept that you will die one day, but not yet, but you know, you will pass away (laughs) one day and you come to that realization of, Hey, my life is not, going to continue i am not immortal no then you've come to that realization of death so if you die before your actual death then you're not going to die when you die now now that can be interpreted in multiple different ways but what the way i one of one of the ways that i like to think of that is this is i have come to a peace with myself to where i have created a life that will live on after I pass on. Yes. And and this actually ties back to the book some coming awesome. full circle. Good. Uh, half Good. an hour later. I like it. But but it's basically this. There was a period <laughs> during during COVID when I was doing the ICU nursing where I thought to myself, what if I were to die? Right. From, I mean, because it was this, terrifying at first. It really was. We yeah. Didn't know. We, and I was with the sickest of the six, yep. seven days a week. Yeah. You know, yep. six, seven days a week. I was doing overtime. Mm-hmm. And and so my my possibility of me getting sick was there. Like right. like they're, they're, like you had to face your own mortality in that moment. And so so I was like I was like okay you know and and <laughs> you know there there's. Uh, we won't get into the whole COVID thing, but like there's, no. there's the possibility of death of anybody. 
right during that right and yes. there's there's possibility of life for a lot of people yes but i was seeing the sickest of the sick mm. um where i was i wasn't in like as far as society goes it didn't create as much death as we thought it was going to the deaths that it did cause were horrendous right the worst right. that i've ever seen yes so yeah. so it was it was both sides it was like it was, one way or another yep yeah. And it's so funny because people are like, was it really as bad as, as you say it was? And I was like, in some ways, no, in some it ways depends. it was worse. It was yeah. worse. So it's like, what do you mean? So, well, and so, there, and my conspiratorial mind and my very, um, yeah. uh, diverse knowledge on, on that is also that it had to have been a biological weapon because of who it affected and what race it affected and how it affected races differently. And that to me showed me some eye-opening things. Well, yep. if, if we if we go down that track, if we go down that track, um, and but but I don't want to go down that quite. No, yet. no, I just want to but, make that but simply. But we if we go down that ahead. track, the fact <laughs> that they kept information away from darker complected people that yep. would have saved yep. more lives. Yep, one hundred percent. That effing pisses me off. I yep. I was I was contacting my friends of darker complexion yep um of many different races and so when i say that i'm not saying just african americans i'm not saying no, it was any shade blacks, any shade uh, of native americans melanin. latinos yep. latinos uh, is what i saw the worst well that's what my, we see more in utah mm -hmm. yep and, and when but, i was in sioux falls it was yeah. more the native americans when i yep. was in vegas it was more of the the, yeah. the black community it's diverse yeah and mm -hmm. and the the, the <laughs> things that could have helped them more that yes. we couldn't stuff that i had said the first weeks that covid was out where i was getting mm -hmm. 300 400 views and likes yep. on yep. on facebook posts and i would say the exact same things a year later and only yep. two people would see it people would go to my pages and not be able to find it yeah. Ridiculous. Anyways, yes. back, back to this. Yes. Sorry. I uh, derailed I was, us. No, 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 no. We're good. <laughs> um, I came to this idea of what if I die? And, and I thought, you know, I could get sick still, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter what precautions I've taken, um, which were many, um, some traditional, not some non-traditional and, and, some mainstream, some non-mainstream, but but right. taking a lot of precautions, <clears throat> getting a lot of sleep, you know, so some of these things, exercising more, eating better. And, mm. and then the traditional doing exactly things, opposite of what everybody yeah, was, of supposed what everybody to do. was doing was, yeah. was sitting on their butts and not getting yep. any sunlight, yep. um, uh, stimulating vitamin D synthesis, mm -hmm. which how is that? How is that a conflict yeah. with people? Yeah. Like we've been doing this for, we've known this information for hundreds of years. Yeah. Anyways. Um, uh, but I came to this realization, if I die and this information of the root cause of why people commit suicide is not out there, more people might die. So I have to write this book. And not people that are ready to die. And no. not people who are yeah. ready to die. There's a, yes. there's a difference. There's a difference between yes. suicide and there's a difference between suicide and accepting your death when death comes yes. to you. Well, um, and here's the thing. I, I don't know if I shared this story with you last, but, yeah. um, so my uncle, um, my uncle had in my family, we have quite, quite the family of, 
of problems with suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, it, obvi- it ties in with addiction, which um, yeah. is horrific. But my great grandpa actually, and I'm not talking in the 20s, in the 50s, got mm-hmm. drunk and was with his brother. They were known to be pretty, you know, bad about alcohol and mm-hmm. whatnot. They were outside and they decided to be stupid and have a duel. And when he realized because these split second decisions, this is why I bring this up, that it wasn't a game anymore. And he shot his brother dead. He shot himself. And so that's the first thing that has happened in my family line. And the second thing was my uncle, who was my, my grandma's youngest son. She, he was my favorite uncle. He was, he was, the best person to me, not the best person. He was good to me. He was, um, a sundowner. So Mm -hmm. he was a wild person in his life. Um, definitely knew how to wield a gun if you get what I'm saying. So when you, when you say a sundowner, just to clarify, do you mean hell's angels, like hell's angels sundowner? mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a sundowner. Yeah. Like a motorcycle club. And he was in the top, top echelon. So when I watch sons of anarchy, he, oh, my grandpa was a one percenter. And then, oh, wow. so yeah. So not the one that died. His son was a one percenter. And then yeah, that's my grandpa. Stuff. Yeah. So it, you know, and, and they had the leathers and everything up and I think my cousin still has them. So anyways, mm. I have these pictures of all of them like this. And, um, my uncle was the secretary and there's no secretary. Like they're not writing things. Okay. That's not just like church is not church for people and these things. So what it basically was is he collected things. Okay. From people. He was the collector because he was a big giant guy. He looked a lot like you, big tall guy, you know? And so he, um, he died and they ruled it as suicide, but we were never sure because he didn't die. And the trajectory of the gun was really weird. And him and his wife were fighting. So I actually, I think sometimes maybe it was a accidental shooting, like, uh, mm-hmm. the gun went off. Maybe he was saying, I'm going to kill myself. And she tried to pull the gun away, which is what I think maybe happened, you know, but yeah. also we didn't need to get into that and have her go to jail. There were little kids still, you know, so whatever it, it was, whatever it was, but he didn't die. And he was fairly young. He was, um, in his forties. And so of mm-hmm. course, even without a ventilator, he, um, he didn't die. We pulled the plug and he, he was still alive and the trajectory. Yeah. So the trajectory was like, so weird that I said, I just know he wouldn't have done it that way if he was trying to do it because he would have known what he was doing, you know, Mm -hmm. um, all these years in this biking club, like he would have known. So I definitely think it was an accident. However, I bring this story up because, and same for my brother within about, I think maybe six months, his ex-wife was still I guess maybe had feelings for him. They had a child together and everything. So, and they'd been apart for many, many years. He was remarried, but she never did get remarried. Well, maybe she did. I don't know. I think she still held, held some feelings there. She killed herself. And then his present day wife, which they were married for years upon years. Like they were, that was the love of his life. She had an accidental overdose within a year and now all the pain is passed down to the children and the children have yeah. had these hard, hard lives and their children. Well, the only one had uh, children have had hard lives in retrospect of that as well. And people don't understand that split second decision can affect 
Yeah. You wouldn't even believe you may think you are the most insignificant human on this planet. And I promise you, there is a ripple effect. I promise. Absolutely. So I was just, I was just doing presentations to the U S military in uh, Germany on, on the subject, on, on the book subject matter of, of suicide, suicide awareness, prevention, understanding the root cause. And one of the things that I say at the end is some some things that that maybe you want might want to try and convey to somebody who's thinking of suicidal ideations. And one of those things is take the consideration that your life is not your own. No. It's it, it's not. It's it's impossible. The people who think, and I've been there. Like I've mm-hmm. thought these thoughts oh. of of, hey, I'm insignificant nobody's going to care if I die. It really wouldn't matter. All I do is I create pain. This world would be better without me. I've thought those things. Right. I think we've all, I think we've all been at that point at some point. Yeah. It's a complete lie though. Mm -hmm. It's a complete lie because the people who survive, people like you and me, Mm -hmm. we've seen, especially on the psych side of our careers. Oh yeah. I mean, we see, we see it in the, in the ER and the ICU, but especially on the psych side, you see family members of people who have committed suicide going and doing these speaking tours, doing, doing book signings. I face so many people who come up to me and they say, I have a family member who died. I have a family member who's, who's suicidal. I have a family member who made an attempt. I have a loved one. I have a friend. And these people, it could be decades ago mm-hmm. and they're still hung up about it. And yes. some people never get over it. So mm-hmm. if, if you're considering it, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you right now, whether you believe what I'm going to say or not, other people will be hurt when you're gone yes. and it happens. Somebody will be affected in some way. Yes. And you might not understand how that person could think that because you see yourself in it in the negative light, but mm. somebody sees you differently. Even and, if and- no, even if nobody is in your family or, or say you are all literally all alone in this world. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have no family. Somebody is still going to have to find you. Somebody is still going to oh, have to figure this that. out. Somebody is still going to have to report this. Some police officer is going to be affected. Somebody else is going to be. A, it is a ripple effect. And it, yeah. it, it is so critical. Like people may say, well, that's that's their job. I'm telling you, I have dealt with death and destruction for 24 years of my life in nursing, yeah. but longer in my family because I was raised in these crazy uh, yeah. family problems with with biking gangs and whatnot. And mm-hmm. so. I'm telling you this, like people do not understand how devastating certain things can be for others. Absolutely. I mean, really like I had a, I had a woman at a hospital mm-hmm. and I was there for training and my asthma's on rare form tonight. So I apologize. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just did my inhaler. So let's hope. Yeah. But I went to the restroom. I was in the basement of the hospital, which it was the one by our work, the hospital by our work, the real one. Okay. Real I know hospital. what you're talking about. Yeah. So the one? basement is kind of, it's deep down and the phones don't work there. You know, mm. it just, it doesn't work. And so I was just going to the bathroom. Okay. I was already having a bad day. 
it was already a challenging time in my life. I was going through a divorce and all this stuff. And I just heard something and turned and there was a woman on her knees on the ground in the stall, but the door had opened with a huge knife in her chest and she had leaned for, it was a cook from the hospital and she mm. had, cause that was a private bathroom. There was no other people, but the bad part was it was all the way to the hub. I knew better than to try and do anything with that. Yeah, I put pressure. Totally. Yeah. I told her to put pressure and trying to find help was excruciating because I, I was in a part of the hospital where people don't come. And I didn't. So you have to leave the person in order to help the person. And you feel like you're abandoning it. And I was running in and running out and running in and running out because I didn't want to leave, leave. So and I was speaking to her and thank heavens I knew some Spanish because she didn't understand Mm -hmm. English. And I was running back and forth saying, just just breathe, you know, and and wait and don't move. And so just do what I showed you put pressure. And so, um, finally somebody came pretty quickly or I was going to leave, leave. Um, but luckily somebody turned around the corner and I mean, you can imagine what I look like at this point. I'm a nurse. I'm, I'm full of blood. I've got blood everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Yeah. Because I'm helping her, you know, and I just didn't care. I mean, I, I knew in that moment, like, yeah, you could get AIDS and all this stuff, uh, but you don't even it, care. It, go, it, it goes out of your mind. Like, like, yeah, like, I didn't even think like that. I was, yeah, like, you, oh. you're like, I'm taking care of what needs to be taken care of. If, yeah. if this is my yeah. life, then I'll, yeah. I'll worry about that later. So I was, I finally got some, and he was terrified. This kid I grabbed, and he's mm-hmm. looking at me like, come with me. He was trying to pull me, and I'm like, stop. And I finally had to get mad and, and kind of slap his hand. And I said, go get help. Yeah. And finally. So, somebody came they're probably like crazy lady level major over there but when they finally figured out why it i mean and Mm -hmm. it saved it saved her life but in that moment you don't realize like that scarred me i don't know that person i don't know her family you don't know where she's at now no no i i know she made it because i inquired after the fact and she gave permission to let me know Cause I was so just devastated. I was carrying that with me, you but, know, but all these years later, you're like, okay, where's yes. her life it's now? It's been 15 years. Yeah. And, yeah. and you still think about it and, and it so still when pops pe- in. Yeah. When yeah. people say that it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. You're going to traumatize somebody. We're, we're all know? human and we yes. all care. Like, like there's, there's a very small percentage, only about 2% of the people who, 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 less than that, um, who uh, have sociopathic tendencies who, who mm. wouldn't care. Right. Um, so, so like a large percent of us care. And so mm-hmm. you get found and maybe it's a week later, maybe it's two weeks. Yeah. Later. You're going mean, to damage some people. I mean, even if, even if you're trained, even if it was a police officer, even oh. if it was a nurse, it doesn't matter just because we do this doesn't mean yeah. We like that part of the job. We just, I'm, I'm, I'm highly yeah. trained. I'm, yeah. I'm highly trained yeah. in, in ICU. I've, I've got certifications mm-hmm. that put me in the top 0.06 percentile yes. of, of ICU nurses in, in the country, but, um, it doesn't change the end result. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you get affected by this. And, and I think that's part of the reason why, <laughs> 
that I think that's part of the reason why I go out and I do some of these speaking tours where I, where yes. I, um, I get invited out to, to churches. I get invited out to schools, to, uh, police groups, to, to military groups and, and these different hospitals to speak mm -hmm. at these things, because I feel like with all the years of doing it, I do have a stronger yes. shell, a stronger Right, right. Yeah. Built onto where I can, you I can, can you can function, you can function where I can function more than yes. And we can I think all a compart. lot of the normal people who would have to hear all the stories that I have to hear. Right. And, 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 and the reason we're taught, is, we're taught to compartmentalize as nurses. We're I taught mean, to compartmentalize. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and that I also appreciate <laughs> greatly the beauty that, that exists yes. in the world because yep. I've been in, in such dark holes and such Yes. negative emotions myself i'm i'm able to i i have such a love so, for life now yeah like the, these these peaks are so high because i've had valleys that are so low right and nowadays like i get excited with the smallest thing when we get off this podcast um like like tonight like one of the things i'm yeah. looking forward to after this podcast is sitting and watching tv with my daughter or a movie with, with best daughter with best daughter, with best daughter. Yes. She is the best daughter. <laughs> Yesterday was like national daughter's day. Yes. Yes. I and saw I was, your post. Oh. And I was like, I was like, whatever. All you people can post about your daughters. Everybody knows mine's the best. You got you the know? best but, daughter. Yes. But I, I always I love, know. But I love hanging out with her. And that, that simple. For any of you who are out there thinking that life is dark and horrible, you're 100% right. Right. It is. Life it is so be. difficult. And I, I hate be. this stuff of, of people who say life is only beautiful. Bullshit. Anybody no. who's been through no. been through something difficult, who has pain laid upon them by the natural occurrences yeah. that happen in life, breakups, yes. um, loss of jobs, loss of family members, loved ones, um, disease, disease to yeah. yourself or to uh, someone else, all these things, like, like there's horrible things that happen. Of course. But when we face that and we realize that life is so fragile, mm. it helps us, uh, in a way to have, uh, there, there's this Freudian concept called la petite mort, mm -hmm. which is the little death, mm -hmm. um, which, is actually tied more to, to, to kind of like a, an orgasmic sexual thing, but, right. but I love, I love the terminology of the, the <laughs> little death. When we come to an understanding of our own death, mm -hmm. then it opens up this realization of, I get to enjoy this aspect of life. Yes. I get have to, you, enjoy... I have to ask you a personal question. Yeah. Have you so... almost died? Because you seem like you have. I have almost died. Wow. I was curious if you have almost died. Um, I didn't bring this into my forefront of my knowledge until possibly this last year, maybe up to a year and a half ago. Um, but I remembered that at a very young age, I did almost die. I was like seven or eight. Yep. And it, because someone else, I was, I was doing a training, a two day training for, a nonprofit organization uh, that does a youth outreach in mm -hmm. Idaho for, for a government funded thing. Mm -hmm. I was, I was doing suicide prevention training for them for two days. 
and one of the ladies there, <laughs> she, she reposted some of my YouTube video clips. Uh, by the way, let's plug that right now. Sure. Uh, Viking nurse yes. on YouTube. And I believe the actual is like Viking nurse four, three, one, nine. Awesome. Um, but just look up Viking nurse. You'll see a picture of me like in fire and stuff like that with, yes. And, but on, on one of my posts, she, she, she reposted one of my videos, uh, talking about suicide prevention. She said, this guy has such a love for life. And I thought about that and I thought about why do I have such a love for life? And, and it's because I almost died. Uh, we were hiking with my dad and he was going up a cliff. I was, um, sitting, waiting for him to come back. And a big rock came down, whacked oh me gosh. right here. Um, the doctor literally said, I have no idea how this guy lived, how this kid wow. lived. Uh, dad had to throw me on his shoulder, oh my gosh. run me down, um, run me, literally ran me down the, the mountain with me on his, on his shoulder. He must've had, uh, adrenaline running through him Wow! and ran down, uh, all the way down, got to the, got to the bottom, got me to the hospital. I'd lost most of my blood. I'd passed wow. out. And the doc said, if it was a little bit below, I would have died. If it was a little bit above, I would have died. And wow. so, so I think that that that's very interesting. You bring that up. That's something I'm going to have to change. process myself. Yeah. It's a change in people. Like I've, I've almost died multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, mine was more diseases. I I'm a cancer survivor. I had osteomyelitis. Yeah, yeah. All these things. And, and I've had a lot of suffering and a lot of people, um, that haven't a lot of times they don't, they don't have the same clarity I feel. Um, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean you can't receive it with, without that kind of a thing. Yeah. Happening. Without that happening to yes. you. Right. You can it's, come to the realization. Um, it can be around you. You can just learn. Um, I, I think, I think that's a big part for me too, is because I've been around so are, much yeah, death I see you. In, in, yeah. in the ICUs. Um, mm -hmm. whether they're my patients or, or not my patients, actually my patient survival rate is ridiculously good, Awesome! but, but I've been a house supervisor at right. different hospitals as well and called into every single code and, right. you know, and work brings, in ICUs and it brings a different every thing. Code. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You it see that much something. death. Mm -hmm. You see that much it, death and, and you start to you start to see life for what it was one, one of the it, it's so interesting because there'd be some codes where i would i mean to cope like you you're you're like somebody's saying a joke sometimes it's me sometimes it's a doctor like as you're doing a code yeah to kind of bring people yep. back in to, to make yep. them center and think um yep. it's not trying to be a cruel thing it's just sometimes no. to, to cope uh nurses have a dark humor we do and then there's been other codes where it I have no idea who this patient is, never right. seen him before 15 minutes ago. Right. And I leave the room bawling and, and you just never know. Well, and you most... feel, you feel that pain and especially yeah. the family, if you're having to move family out, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I got to get in there. Like you, and you're, it's uh, it, some people really complain about that. They're like, Oh, that, that nurse was so brash we're in a hurry like we're not well, yeah we're, we're, it, it, it's yeah. not a thing of hatred no, it's not a thing of no. rude it, at least i hope not i i no. worried some about the newer nurses who are not <laughs> yeah. as well skilled at mm. reading the room 
Yeah, it's true. But that, um, that it's not that it's, and you see the it, pain. it's, I need, I have a job to do in order to, yeah. to try to save your family to help your right person. Now. And I, then I you need see to it. do this. Yeah. You see it in their face. You see it in the family. You see it. You, I, yeah. uh, you carry, I don't care who you are, how well you compartmentalize, you carry a piece of it with you when you deal with this mm-hmm. always. And I feel like the people that do, no matter how hard it gets, and you know, my life, your life has been quite similar when uh, we've had a lot of struggles and mm-hmm. many people would say, well, and Dr. Christensen, he's gone now. So I'm saying is yeah. he came one night and he said, I don't know. I told him like five things. I didn't even tell him everything. I was joking around. I was kidding. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I don't know how you're here and not here. And I said, yeah. because I chose to be, because you can choose what you do with what you're handed. I'm not saying it's fair. What I was handed <sighs> to, to me in my life was not fair. What you were handed uh, to your younger life was not fair. Yeah, We rose above, which is why I call this unfiltered rise. A lot of people think, oh, that's a mm-hmm. weird name, but unfiltered, because if you know me, that's exactly what I oh, mean. You're, most- you're, you're about as unfiltered <laughs> as they get. Yeah. Yeah. I may be the most God loving woman, but I am very unfiltered and mm-hmm. I have decided. And the last time I did a podcast, I slipped up and said the F bomb. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to edit that out. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to, because it would probably please the audience more, but also it would show you that I'm not fallible that i'm not human yeah. that i'm not this person that i really am so when I, when you could show your scars and be and and let yeah. other people realize that i have scars that i have flaws that i have errors yeah. as well no matter but how it, much it, i love god that still slips out sometimes and, it, so. it, and it does it, it, let, <laughs> let's if you don't mind no. just changing subjects completely wherever you want to go with this we can go so that flawed thing <clears throat> yes that's another thing of beauty i tell yeah. you like I tell people, three of my biggest heroes are, are hugely flawed men. Yeah. Um, and don't get mad that it's men because you uh, know you're no, you're it, a guy. It, I'm, I'm a guy, so it's yeah. gonna be this. I but like don't care about that. There's three guys, and I <laughs> I love the fact that they are flawed. And and yeah. let's let's say who they are: Thomas Jefferson, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and Martin Luther King Jr. But I so, think Abraham Lincoln was a Nephilim. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> you think he was a Nephilim? Did you, do, do you realize he he's one inch shorter than I am? Really? Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. He was, he, he just, was just very skinny. He probably had yeah. Marfan's, Marfan syndrome. I, I think so too. Yeah. Marfan syndrome. His, his yep. voice, Daniel Day-Lewis actually, and this is nerd, nerd talk. Daniel Day-Lewis did a fantastic job in the, in the movie Lincoln because Everybody thinks Lincoln had a deep, booming voice. No, he had a squeaky voice, which was like more like Marframs. And so you listen to Daniel yeah. Lewis, and I was like, I was like, oh my word, he knew that. Like a lot of you're people like, know. oh, he did know. Yeah. And anyways, that's great. Thomas Jefferson, <laughs> the great and the flaw with him. The the flaw is that this guy's talking about, hey, let's abolish slavery at a time where slavery was a common thing. So so mm-hmm. it's. Uh, it's I'm not saying it's right it's more understandable why he maybe didn't but he preached so much against slavery but that then didn't get rid of his 
slaves. His yeah. ownership of his slaves. And mm-hmm. so that that's such a huge flaw. Yeah. Um, but yet there's beauty in it because when he came back to Monticello, his, mm-hmm. his, his place of residence after living in, in France and, you know, for the government as a, as an ambassador, the people came out excited to see him, including one of his, after his wife died, he fell in love with one of his, his slaves. And, uh, I believe it's it's common knowledge that he had a child or two with her. His daughter actually requested that he marry her, but he had made a promise to his first wife that he would never remarry. So he never remarried. Mm-hmm. Um, but his daughter was in full support of him marrying this woman who had been his his house slave. Wow. And so there's the, that flaw with, with Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. But yet... He's linked to Lincoln because Lincoln got a lot of his ideas about abolishment of slavery from Jefferson. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, you know, Lincoln was flawed in in multiple different ways. But one of the ways that I'll say is he married somebody who he didn't love, probably for political gain to help him with his political career. Um, It was a very difficult marriage for him. And then he had, he suffered from melancholy. There's a great book called Mm -hmm. Lincoln's Melancholy. Melancholy means major depressive disorder nowadays. And he was very suicidal, uh, especially Mm -hmm. when it would rain. He he, took him back to the memory of his first love, who was this girl who passed away while it was raining. Mm -hmm. And a friend of his said, you know, I fear for you when it rains, that your mind is not under control and that your melancholy comes onto you. And so, so he had flaws. He had errors. There's a beautiful story of him where when he was chosen to be the presidential candidate at the New York convention, Republican convention, the first Republican convention, uh, because before that it was the, uh, gosh, what was the party? I forgot the name of it. Of course, I forgot the name of it. Ah, Um, But uh, it was the first time. Uh, the Whig Party, the Whig Party. So oh, Whig it party, used to yeah. be the Democrats and the Whig Party, and then it was the Democrats and the Republican Party. The Republican Party basically absorbed the Whig Party. And so he was at that convention. They choose for him to be uh, the presidential candidate. It's under a huge big top tent. Mm-hmm. There's a stage. There's a whole bunch of different rows of chairs that they had set up. There's a janitor who is cleaning up. And he said that on row two, right in the middle, everyone's gone, but there's one person sitting with his head in his hands. Mm. And it was Abe. Mm. And he said he walks up to Abe and that Abe looked up and looked to the side and said, I am not well. Because mm. he he was he felt the weight of everything that happened on him. Mm. um he didn't do everything right during the war that's for sure right um but he he (laughs) he was flawed but he did good martin luther king jr the guy cheated on his wife you know as which is you know not not a a strong act of character but the thing is i i I heard some some ladies on on a podcast one time saying oh that that nullifies everything he does i was like i I wanted to get up and slap him, 
Because yeah. I was like, I was like, it doesn't. What it shows one, to me is one this. act, one act, one of act. Weakness. Uh, and and I'm not saying even if it was not one act, even if he did it habitually it was, it was on probably, and on and on, you yeah. know, like JFK, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't um, JFK, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. but, but JFK did a lot of great things. You can't just throw them out the window. It, yeah, I mean, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, no. And, and the thing I like about this and the lesson that this, this has for me and hopefully for, for you and everybody out there who listens to this is the concept of <laughs> we can be flawed humans and still do amazing things that yes. can help multiple people. Yep. And then that that goes back and, to the and, point of why people get so low because they focus on the one, maybe it yeah. is a negative characteristic and you're going to continue to do it. We all should mm-hmm. not. There's a lot of shoulds in life. Okay. Anything yeah. that's a should probably is not something. Stop shooting on yourself. Yeah. Stop shooting, you know, but I'm not saying it doesn't need to be changed. There are people yeah. that need to make some really big changes in their life, but it doesn't mean that you didn't come from something different that you haven't progressed. And it doesn't mean that you haven't done great things. Like you can have done great things and been a horrible person. You could do horrible things and be a great person. Yeah, It's all over the board. There's there's times where people will come and, and, and thank me. We were moving two years ago. We're moving like, like two years ago or or something like that. And uh, this friend of ours came and he showed up with his sons and I hadn't seen this guy for years. And I was like, hey, man, thanks so much for showing up. Like, we didn't have as many people show up as we thought. And I, mm-hmm. Oh, no, this was the move from six years ago. The, the move two years ago, we had like tons if you of want, If you want to know who your friends are, move. Yeah, move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this was, this was the move from seven, <laughs> eight years ago. Because the move from like a year and a half ago was actually like done in like six hours. And I was like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> I was yeah, like, wow. Way to be. <laughs> uh, but this was from, from like eight or so years ago. Didn't have as many people. And this guy shows up with his sons. And I was like, man, I haven't seen you for years. Thank you so much. Like, right. He goes, well, we had to with all you did for me. Oh. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he remembered some stuff that me and my wife had done to help him meet up with his wife and create a relationship with his now wife with all their kids they say the reason we have kids the reason we have a marriage the reason we do this is because of you and your wife and i i still don't understand everything that he's saying with that right but you don't know the positive effect you had on someone you don't know it could be such a small thing and you have no for you for you but it could be the world for another person and you Mm -hmm. have no idea and you will might not ever know no no and this goes to the god part when i lost my religion i found Mm. god and when i found god i it's a funny thing because god uses anything he can Mm -hmm. use a donkey that's happened before okay (laughs) he can use anything Mm -hmm. Uh, but the best story about flaws that i love to share with people from the bible is king david it's one of my favorite stories and i share it all the time king david was a disaster in all rights many things he did were disastrous he was Mm -hmm. a blasphemer a murderer he was a adulterer he had many wives he had all these problems and god would come to him often and say like come on what are you doing here yeah, let's knock fix it this. off and, and he would just do it again 
And not that he wasn't, he was repentant in his heart, but he would mess up again. Okay. And, and the thing that always struck me is, is God had a nickname for King David. Do you know what it is? I have no idea. Called him his beloved. Mm. That is love. When you Mm. can love someone flaws and all, when you can see, and I'm not talking about loving every person in your life. I mean, some people, like you said, it'll be, you you do need to push some people out. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even when you push them back, you give them boundaries. You don't need to push them far away. You have to do what is good for you on the boundary part without causing damage to other people. Mm -hmm. You need to say what you're doing. Don't, don't block people away and just say, well, this is best for me. So I'm full cut off, you know, cause that has happened to me. And if I had known, and she had said to me, if you continue to talk about this, or you continue to do that, then I literally am not going to talk to you anymore. I would have really shaped up. So people need to communicate. I, even though I would have in my heart disagreed, I would have stepped back and said, okay, you know, because this Mm -hmm. is ultimately your life and you can now, if the person can't hold their tongue, I get it. You might have to revisit it, you know, like take a little break, revisit it, but like, don't just hurt people and cut them off too. like do things in a healthy manner. Eventually, sometimes if you give chance after chance, and this is coming from someone that me and my mom have really gone through it, you know, like we have done the whole cut off, get back, cut off, get back. Mm -hmm. There's been some really, I have every legitimate reason, every legitimate reason on paper, in court documents, in, in life, in the world, I could set it down to a therapist and they would say, yep, you should cut her off forever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that. And it has so blessed my life because mm-hmm. I have found a love for her flaws and all. She's still my mother. That, that That's, that's an interesting mother. thing you say there, because like with my dad, I believed things about him that were horrendous. Right. Maybe, maybe not horrendous. Maybe that that's, that's, that's going maybe a bit too far, but I believe some stuff in him that, that was not good. Let's just say right. that. That Negative. was very bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Over this last year and a half, and this guy's old now, you know? Right. I had my eyes opened to the reality of who he is. And there's almost this regret. There's not almost, there is a regret. And that's right. okay to say that. There's a regret that I didn't know that earlier. Right. But so, so you never did the full cutoff and, and just no, throw them no. away like a trash can. Because yeah. I see that more and more. This has become a society where, well, I'm living my best life. So blah, blah, blah. Too bad for you. Like, And, and it's shocking well, and it's the, the, wild. You the, know? the problem, the problem with that, hmm. the problem with that is, is in the, the words you said, I'm living my best life. Mm-hmm. Me, 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 mm-hmm. that that's yeah. one thing that I I'm, I'm probably not going to be in this country within five years. Men will I, become lovers of themselves. Yeah. The yeah. Oof. I, I, I was in Germany. I stopped into Czech, Czech Republic. Uh, mm-hmm. For about two and a half. Days. Oh yeah, I saw your yeah. Those were that was and thing. did did Netherlands a little bit. Talked with some people who were friends from years past in those countries. Some of them were new people, but yeah. just seeing the cultures there, I've realized how much the culture in this country mm-hmm. is all about me. Oh yeah, me me me. Yep, me me me. 
and and I, I I I've I've realized within the next five or so years, this I'm, isn't I'm not, where you want to be. I, I'm not going to be here, which is well, is is and, saddening for me because I love what this but, this was. But this is your journey. But it's it's part of my journey, which yeah. is nice because yeah. we'll probably be living back in the old country where my father oh. came from, you oh. know, and 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 being there and being around those people and there's there's a there's a tie to that somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I think there's turned into <laughs> such a selfish thing of me and and people who don't know the full story. Mm-hmm. who are telling other people to cut off relationships. Yes. Cut One that thing you said to me cut, that really cut that person out of your life, cut this person. They don't deserve you. There are some people like that, but it is much lower than we think. Oh, it, and, and the word and, toxic, they just toss it around and, oh, she, she's a narcissist. He's a narcissist. Everybody's a narcissist. Yeah. This yeah. Is and, and that's the thing. Well, let's, let's, let's clarify but, on this. But on that comment, you told me the last discussion, which erased. Yeah. yeah. Was this is coming back to, to mind. Distressing to me because you said to me, what makes a mother, a bad mother makes the mother a good mother. And I was floored. I never thought of it in my life like this because I was so hateful on myself for that first couple years. Cause I've been estranged for four years now and Uh and she's had a marriage that I missed. She's had a baby Mm -hmm. that I've not seen. She she's living this life. And I, and I only get to see little bits and pieces from other people, but she was very close to me, like my best friend. And, and it was, a horrible, even my mom, my mom has lost her son and he's dead. And she said to me, this is worse than death because at least I can go and visit the grave. Mm. And she said, you have to deal with this every day. And she was just crying. And she said, and, and then seeing her and how she's changed, I liken it to how I've changed with this whole situation. And I see the pain in her, the regret in her, the sadness in her. Now it cannot take away anything that was done to me. Okay. And it was bad enough that they took us, you know, in the state of Utah from a mother. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's unheard of usually, but what I will say is, is she was not okay. I had no concept of who she was as a person. She wasn't just my mother. She was Mm -hmm. a person. You know, she was, she was needing help. She needed something that I couldn't understand. You know, when you're a young person, you don't, you know? Yeah. If, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to explain two things to the people that I think was in that conversation that, that That erased, um, that erased, I know technology, dang it. But, but these are two, two points. Um, I can't. I, I'm I'm gonna have to get off before too long. Oh, you're good. You're good. Um, but um, but I do want to touch on these two things. One, the explanation of of what a true narcissist is, because that word is thrown around so much willy nilly now mm-hmm. that I think it is detrimental to how people say it all the time. I hear so many people say ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. I'm in a relationship with this narcissist, toxic, narcissist, toxic, narcissist, toxic, narcissist. Mm -hmm. narcissist. 
you know what guys sometimes it's just rough Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's sometimes, just a bad relationship with somebody who's in a or, bad, bad spot. Or sometimes they're in a it, bad situation it, and they're not their best self. Yeah. yeah. So, so true narcissism, toxic doesn't mean that the person disagrees with you, that that's what toxic is. Right. Narcissism, <laughs> the true narcissist is somebody who is not neurologically able to so mm-hmm. so brain wise it's literally un- incapable yes incapable mm-hmm. of seeing your point of view mm-hmm. of understanding your point of view if it differs from there and them being able to accept it yes it's it's a self-center to the point to where they cannot truly understand if we stop and think about this now, this might piss a lot of people off. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Here's the thing. It, we're unfiltered. Every <laughs> yeah, There we go. Every one of us is selfish to a point. Yes. Boom. There you go. Yep. So if your spouse is selfish to the point, like let's say you're a, fem- you're a female and your husband's selfish because he wants sex from you all the time. You don't want sex, but he wants sex from you all the time. And he wants to hang out with his buddies. Mm-hmm. That's his level of selfish. Now, selfish is a thing that's, that runs rampant. That's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. it doesn't mean that that person's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. No. You know, because in the same right, that person might be saying, well, well, you're, you know, selfish in the fact that you want me just to spend time with you. When I need to unwind from having gone to work or Or you're too clingy or whatever. Or you're too clingy. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend Mm -hmm. who got a divorce from a wife who was too clingy, like beautiful girl, like, like stunningly like sexy and beautiful. Right. He thought she was too clingy. Too clingy. And, 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 you know, and, and, and so like, there's these different things. So we all have our, we see the world from our own point of view. Mm Mm-hmm. When and we're a child, so we, we don't, yeah, we don't understand what water is mm-hmm. outside of how it tastes on my mouth, mm-hmm. how it feels on my body. Mm-hmm. There's not even a comprehension. That's, that's what, that's what a, a child does because they're not able to see outside of themselves. That's why kids, when there is a divorce, they think it's about them. Because they can't comprehend a world outside of them. They think that they are the effect (laughs) of everything on the world. They think that Mm -hmm. they are a God in a way Mm -hmm. that everything evolves around them because it does when, when, when you're young. Yeah. And so that's what like a true narcissist is, is somebody who hasn't grown out of that. Somebody who, who is not mentally able to. So I, I, I would, I would urge people to use the words, this person was selfish in this regard mm-hmm. and to utilize the, the, I, instead of this person's a narcissist, because here's the, here's where it's the disadvantage to you. If you throw the terminology narcissist onto anybody willy nilly, mm-hmm. this is where the disadvantage is. It's the disadvantage of you being able to fix you. Right. Ooh, that one hurts. And on top of that, if you live in this society, which we all do, where Mm -hmm. you can't even buy anything anymore that lasts very long. I mean, everything is, I'll just get another one. one. It's so disposable. And now people are disposable. And that 
contributes to this rising rate of suicide, which goes back to what I'm saying with your book, because if you internalize everything that somebody, somebody like when that happened to me, I said to her, yes, I was not the best mother because I came from a PTSD family because, you know, I had all these problems from being beaten because my mom almost died in front of me because my dad was in prison. So a lot of trauma. And then on top of it, I had cancer and I am sorry. And I, I have an explosive, not as much anymore, but at that point I did have an explosive temper at times. Like I would yell and that's, and kids don't understand yelling. And I know that. And now I know that, but to me, you have to understand where somebody's coming from because to me, yelling is nothing because I wasn't getting beaten. And so yelling was like, so that's how the parents talk. Yeah, like at they least it's yell. Not being, yeah. yeah. And that's how I got talked to. And I'm I'm not abusive because I don't beat you and blah, blah, blah. But it, I didn't understand that I was still hurting her or hurting other people. Now I do. Now I see. I, I think as I grew up, I did know, but I wasn't able to work on anything because like you said, I was sick and in these turmoil, you know, things constantly where you can't, if you're on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I was just trying to survive. So yeah, yeah I wasn't higher evolving, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't going to happen until maybe, I got Maybe up to the stable. second level of safety, right? but, yeah, but and not it was even looking for the affection side. And so a normal situation would be like, if, it, if this came to me and say, I was a therapist, which I'm not, and they said these things, I would maybe say, well, oh, well, this and this and this. Okay, well, maybe you guys could evolve together now. Let's yeah, and, change and that, this. Th- that's yeah. what I'm saying of of <laughs> look at where you can change. Yeah. Because yeah. then then that gives you strength because you're not in just a victim mindset of that person's a narcissist, that person's bad, that person's this. Because yeah, all that does of everything. weaken yeah. you. Mm-hmm. When you notice that somebody did something bad, But then you take on the responsibility, but I let them, but don't, yeah. but I, but I did this part, but I did this part bad. When you think about your own ownership in the problem and you try Mm -hmm. to find for you, not what the other person is saying to you, just you. Yeah. Yeah. Because if the other person's saying that to you constantly, you're bad because of this, you're bad because of this, you're bad because of this, that gets toxic. Okay. Right. But when you investigate, hmm. Maybe what is I the am? true part yeah. of me? What is this true part of me <clears throat> that contributed to this negative situation? Yes. What is one part? That person might be 99.9% wrong. Right. But what's what's the one part of but me? But now that I can see that like, that okay, gives you growth. You step back away from it. And do you think I'm on this podcast saying I yelled at my children a lot? I wasn't the best parent. Like mm-hmm. all these things that that isn't a that isn't a yay moment for me. That sucks. You know, that 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 sucks to me, but here's the thing. I know it's true, but I know I've grown and I know I've changed. And I know that the children that I have left in my home that well, not in my, cause they're growing up, but my family Mm -hmm. know my love for them. And, and I think for the first year, I just spent so humbled, like, please don't leave me. Cause I did this stuff. Like, I think mm. it broke me to a level where I was like, um, and my son really had a hard time with it. Cause he said, mom, I'm always going to love you. I'm like, well, she said that too. 
Oh, I'll always be there. Well, she said that too. And this is coming from children that have been abandoned by every person that's supposed to love them, parents, everyone. And so when you get to that rawness, you don't believe it anymore. But after you go through that, it was horrible. It was, I want, I wanted to die, but I didn't want to kill myself. You know, I just was despair. You know, it was. The, the cool thing about <clears throat> this though, is, and I think the same thing happened in my family through, through the generations is hopefully we make it just a little bit better for the next generation. Yes. Yes. And, and, and I think that's what every true parent wants. My great grandfather uh, was a, a poor guy, uh, didn't make a lot of money. He worked, at, he, he came home covered in soot, uh, working at the rail station in, in central Amsterdam, Amsterdam Central. And he had a second wife and she was ridiculously hmm. verbally abusive to him, according to my grandfather. And, and she was mean to the kids and all this stuff. And so it was a bad situation. And then that situation was rough for my grandfather. And then the situation was rough for my dad, but every level got taken off a little bit to well, where I'm able to now provide so well for my daughter in, in such a healthy manner that yes. it surprises me that I would be able to provide this. Like I should be on meth. You know, I right. have one sister yeah, who was addicted yeah. to meth for years. I have another sister who still to this day, I believe has, has problems with alcohol. And if not, I know she had for multiple years had problems with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I think about that. And I was like, that should be me. I yep. should, I should be that. I shouldn't be the guy. Well, my brother didn't even as successful it. as I am, yeah. but we, we make it just a little bit better step-by-step step for the well, next generation. And you have to be so empathetic when you, what you said to me about your dad really mm -hmm. hit me because you said, okay, the, if the grandpa grew up just trying to hit his hierarchy of need of feeding people, he couldn't yeah. work on anything else. And he was probably so flustered. I mean, and in pain, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So his life was, you know, he was a product of his circumstance. Mm -hmm. Does that make it right? No, but can no. you understand it? Yes. Same for your dad. And so that, then that's you, you stepped back away and said, yeah, he was, he, he had these problems and he wasn't the best, but I understand now. Oh, and, and, and now yeah. like I hold an honor mm -hmm. and a respect for my father, which I'm so grateful for because right. quite honestly, he's at an age where at any moment I could receive a phone call. Right. And I'm so glad that I have a love for him, like a deep love, not just a, He's my dad's not mom. like, yeah, he's all right. Yeah. Like, like yeah. a few years ago, I like you understand I, I, him now. I hope he doesn't you watch understand this. Understand him now. Maybe yeah. it would help. Maybe it well, would show him that his you, hearing you is really love... bad. So I'm not sure if he'd listen to him, but, <laughs> but um, that you've changed your heart towards him that yeah. you truly love him. That's how I am for my mother. Yeah, now. Like I truly love him. It's yeah. not just like, like a few years ago, I'd be like, Oh, if my dad passed away, that'll That's be how I sad. Was. Yeah. It's now so I'm like, Oh, when my dad passed away, it's, it's going to be, it's a gonna thing be for devastating me because I, I love him. I appreciate him. Even though I don't get to, to chat with him as much as I'd like to, right. uh, mostly because of his hearing. And so it's hard to, right. Right. to Gotcha. To hear and stuff like I have a love for him. So when I give him a hug, I, I know I convey that love to right. him. Right. And 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 that's the thing. If if we but were to I bet, throw it I, away. I bet this when that yeah. happened for you, I bet you changed. 
I'm oh, not absolutely. talking about him. I'm talking about how you, not just that you love him, not how you feel about him, not about him. I bet you changed as a human being on that level. Yeah. And if we can all evolve to that and start to have more compassion, the compassion has changed and yeah. it's sad, you know, it's like tearing people apart, tearing like how I said, I literally wanted to die. Like, I understand why you wrote that book. Like if we can change that for people, like, no, I don't want you to die. And I barely know you. And this is why and yeah. I think you're worthwhile, you know? Yeah. And if we can decrease the <laughs> suffering it, just a little bit, like I hear Jordan Peterson say this fantastic thing. And, and I'm, I might be getting the words wrong, but the context is right. And that's, what's important. Yeah, is the context of what I'm about to say is right is if we could make this world a little less hellish. Yes. Not even good. If we can make it less of a hell, then how nice is that? If if if, if we can make it just a teeny bit better. Yes. Wow, that's that that's where the beauty comes from. Yep. And I think we really can. I think that people need to get out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And do some things, not just for yourself, yeah. like the selfless love. Uh, I mean, I've been like reading more into the in-depthness, like where, where God in the Bible, where he was talking about praying for people that will not benefit you mm -hmm. in any way. So I was listening to this sermon about it. And Derek Prince is one of my all-time favorites. He's passed away yeah. now, but he talks about how, if you step outside yourself and you just pray for these people. Like I've done it with my podcast. I've done it with other people. Mm. Like I've asked them, can, what can I pray for you? And literally those prayers are answered so quickly. Like, yes, I wish my own were as well, but that tells you that there is a way to help others. Even when you don't have anything else to give, it doesn't have to be material. Like it can be, I'm going to go help this lady take out her garbage. Cause I saw she was old and maybe she needs some help or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to pray for this person, or I'm going to tell this person every day that I love them, or I'm here for you or whatever. It's the smallest thing. It's, it can be small and you don't have yeah. to fake it. Like it can really be there. You know, I, I think your heart changes a little bit. I don't know. Like, as I you think evolve. so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But this is, I know you're, I know you're needing to go probably with best daughter and yeah, I have I enjoyed this conversation immensely. And anytime, Same. I think we should once in a while, cause we didn't get into Carl Jung on this one and we did last time. No, that no. was fantastic. We'll, so we'll, we'll attack, we'll attack Jungian we psychology. We won't do that next... right now. Cause that's a whole nother, that's two hours. So <laughs> yeah, I've, I've actually been, I've actually been getting into some Adler stuff as yeah. well. So, so yeah. Let's that'll do be it. fun. So. And promote everything one more time where we can find you. Can they find you on Instagram or anything like so that? So you can find me on in, on uh, Instagram is Mike underscore Vanderplas. Uh, uh, I, I wanted to start doing that more. What I have been doing more is my YouTube channel, which okay. is Viking Nurse. Uh, just look it up. There's like two or three Viking Nurse channels. And mine, I'll put mine, all this in the show notes as well. Yeah, please, please, <laughs> if you, I, I, I'm going to, put a, a bag out there for you guys. Cause yeah. I'm not above it. Please like subscribe. Uh, the content of me speaking about suicide, yes. uh, kind of shadow bans me from, mm -hmm. from saying stuff because I say that those words, 
And so the message doesn't get out there. So the more people who like, comment, subscribe, truly does help the message to get seen by more people. Maybe it will get seen by that person that really yeah yeah. I've I've recently I've been putting up more stuff over this past month. I've got about 80, 90 videos on there. Some of them are three minute videos. Some of them are hour long um, things. I've got some, some other podcasts uh, that I've been on stuff like that. Uh, Presentations for conferences, presentations with the military. So you can see some more of my theories Mm. in there. Uh, If you want to contact me, uh, the easiest email is vanderplasmike25 at gmail uh, to get me to come out to speak at one of your groups yes, or to do it amazing. virtually as well. Yes. Uh, amazing. Be good things. And we can talk mm-hmm. about stuff like that. So, well, and, and you've kind of told me a little secret that maybe you might be starting up a podcast. So the people better watch for this up and coming yeah. shining star. So yeah, I'm yeah, excited so. for that as well. And then tell them where they can find your book and what it's called again. So the book, the easiest ways to do it is you can either go to uh, www.staystrongbook.com. If you go to that, you can get, you can, you can purchase the book, click on the link. It'll take you over to Amazon and it'll get you a book that we've got in English, Portuguese, Spanish. If you do it, if you just go to that website and let's say that you don't buy the book, which I recommend you do just buy the full book. You can click on it and get um, for, for free chapter two to awesome. you. Chapter two talks about signs and symptoms to watch out for of loved ones who are considering suicide. That's for free. That's for anyone, anywhere. Uh, or you can just go look at Stay Strong by Mike Vanderpl- Michael Vanderplas on Amazon and just get it there. Well, I, I know that it's worthwhile. I know I can attest one thing. This, um, interview is awesome. And I do have this podcast, but I've known Mike for years and the information that he has is wonderful. And his personality is always positive, even when he's going through some really rough stuff. So I think his information in there is probably really worthwhile, really worthwhile. So I'm honored. And I hope we can repeat this again sometime soon. Yep. We absolutely will. We absolutely will. All right. Well, thanks again. All right. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye.